Welcome to Let's Clear the Air, a virtual newsroom and weekly podcast that discusses cultural and social influences in the IE. In an era of misinformation, we're a platform that gives fact-based refreshers on the basics of mobilizing your community and offers expert-level perspectives on various topics and issues in your neighborhood and abroad. Here are the headlines of the week. Seattle Times. As Amazon cracks down on dissent, tech and warehouse workers unite over coronavirus. Environment. Amazon workers across the country are demanding the company do more to protect their safety by closing facilities for at least two weeks and give paid time off to all employees while workplaces are sanitized. Daily News. Mayday demonstrations will be very different in Southern California in coronavirus steeped year. LA Daily News. Coronavirus shifts. Traditionally, May Day is a day for big rallies and actions in support of the working class. But due to coronavirus, labor and immigrant right activists must take to the internet to demand action from corporations and elected officials. Movement for census awareness swells in Inland Empire. UCR News. The coronavirus pandemic is making organizations across the Inland Empire adapt to digital technologies in order to make it count for Census 2020. Grassroots organizations like CCAEJ are working to address hard account populations through phone banking and digital organizing. Welcome to Let's Clear the Air. My name is Andres. I'm here with Ben Reynoso. Um, the two Amazon workers were fired basically because uh, Amazon claims that they repeatedly violated internal policies. This is coming from a Seattle Times report. Uh, what do you think about this, Ben? Well, the reality is that there has been a rise in organizing amongst tech workers in Seattle and they've been assisting by assisting the warehouse workers in kind of painting the picture of Amazon being one body and not separating higher wage workers such as them, the tech workers from lower wage and more plentiful workers such as the warehouse workers. Their work has, as you mentioned, sadly resulted in two firings at Amazon, man. And so uh, I think I think we're facing we're facing a reality here. What do you what do you think, Jeff Bezos? is thinking about this. Do you think it was a call directly from him? Is manage, management a buffer here? Yeah, I mean, I think I think Jeff is definitely cognizant of uh, the organizing that's going on, especially, you know, with stories like, uh, you know, on the, on the East Coast with Chris Smalls and how he was fired and other, uh, other workers that, even um, Amazon went as far as to reinstate them. I've read a story about that. So I think I think I think Jeff Bezos is definitely um, aware of this kind of uh, this fervor that's going on um, amongst uh, the workers at, at the you know fulfillment centers and FCs and stuff. Uh, but I think I think it's gonna. I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Um, so it, it's going to definitely be interesting to see how Jeff Bezos responds um, to all of this organizing that's happening, um, even after, you know, the fallout of, you know, letting people go. Yeah. 
And also, I have to highlight the San Bernardino Airport Communities Coalition, who's been in connection with the tech workers. And in the beginning of this particular campaign for the intended goal of creating a joint shareholder resolution that covered all employees and, and kind of mitigated some of the environmental factors in a very strong, tangible way, you had, you had two people be fired when they had been motivated and had been hearing and inspired, I would say even, by communities on the ground, like right here in San Bernardino, where Amazon is proposing, well, they're trying to keep it a secret, but everybody on the ground, this is the chatter from the ground, is that we know that Amazon has their eyes set on the San Bernardino International Airport for their first West Coast airstrip. They landed a lot of other people's airports. They, they piggyback off UPS, which has seen an increase, obviously because Amazon is overwhelming. But the reality here is that people on the ground who are rotating in and out of Amazon fulfillment centers are now working with higher wage tech workers who are not seeing the protections that they deserve all across the board. I think a lot of the tech workers thought that maybe they had more leverage and that's why they spearheaded it. But two people being fired, that's an intimidation tactic. And we see that a lot. I don't know if you want to talk about where else maybe you've seen that in Amazon, but I'm sure it's not too far out of sight. Yeah, it definitely goes uh, up and down the ranks. Uh, I've heard about firings from pick department and obviously we've heard about the firings all the way up to the tech workers at the Seattle HQ. Um, one thing that's interesting that's that's, you know, approaching is May Day, uh, the, you know, the the celebration of labor and, and, and just um, overall what we know or what we're used to about May Day is people getting together in the streets to kind of um, rally together and, and you know, uh, support expansion of rights for workers and for immigrants. Right. Um, but this year, you know, this time um, it, it's going to be totally different. Uh, I'm, I'm reading a Daily News article that details the differences um, with uh, the approach and the methods that uh, organizers and activists are taking to to organize for you know uh, these these uh, these push for these rights. I mean, even just last week there was a uh, AQMD caravan that um, we heard about. So, I mean. What do you think this means for tech workers? Do you think they're they're going to be organizing around, you know, today, or do you think it's it's going to be a different story? I think tech workers are at an advantage here because they do work in tech and they understand the significance of reaching people through media. I would say this also presents the opportunity to go beyond concentrated um, days, like just one day being the celebration of the working class. You know, the history of May Day goes back to the late 1800s, where in Chicago, uh, that was the epicenter of this walkout. But the walkout saw 300,000 workers leave all of their workplaces. And it was really organized. It was really organized because thousands of men, women, and children were dying on the clock. And so bringing it back to more recent context, when you talk about the tech workers, they're supporting Amazon workers right now who are in fulfillment centers right here in the Inland Empire, who have seen and, and been exposed to COVID-19 in their fulfillment centers. And, the, and we're hearing stories like people not hearing about being in direct contact with somebody until a week after 
And so one of our Mayday asks, I think, because we have to represent a base here, is that Amazon closes its fulfillment centers where COVID is present for at least two weeks to sanitize, pay their workers their living wage. It's not what it is right now. This is the opportunity as well for Amazon to do the right thing. When these workers come back, should they do the right thing in closing and sanitizing? And pay them 1.5 times for hazard pay. This is the economy, Andres, you know? And people aren't really valuing it or seeing it that way. I, I, I also heard that Cal OSHA um, actually was uh, paid a visit to LGB3, right? Yeah, that's the word right now. Um, I don't want to report back on anything because we don't have any findings, but that is legitimate. That there was a health and safety complaint filed at LGB3 in Corona. It actually was featured in the New York Times article recently um, about the coronavirus in Amazon and the fulfillment centers. And because they visited, now I think everybody's kind of wondering, what's next? Will we hear a direct feedback report? Is this going to be bureaucratic like most other things in government where maybe a year from now we hear a report? But then it'll be long gone. And then a corporation like Amazon, there's other people who are responsible and guilty for, of things like this too. But I think a lot of people get leeway, and not people, but the corporations they work for get this like massive grace period to basically let you forget, and then they continue to repeat the sins of the past. So I'm looking at a UC Riverside news article featuring a C one of CCAJ's own, Tamara Marquez, and this is all connected because when we talk about the amount of resources that communities have, I think there's a direct correlation, at least in you know community perspective and organizing perspective, that ties the resources available to the amount of power that people perceive themselves to have. And so one of the quotes in this article, I'll read it to you verbatim, the county's regions, more than 4.6 million people are at dangerous risk of being undercounted a trend reflected in the 2010 census. So now we're in the 2020 census. The census is done every 10 years. And it's saying here that the Inland Empire, this is quote, that year, 2010, nearly one in four Inland Empire households didn't mail back their census questionnaire. Another 40,000 people didn't receive one at all. So Andres was COVID active right now the census was supposed to look like during this time in particular, people knocking on those hard-to-reach doors, person to person. Do you see this kind of stat repeating itself because of the limitations on physical distancing? Yeah, um, it kind of demonstrates uh, a trend that it, it, it makes at least a trajectory of, of how many people are actually going to be counted uh, significantly lower because uh, my partner actually uh, worked for the census and and they were knocking on doors and um, it, it's actually you know this was a time where it wasn't so um, panicked um, of, uh, of a time as far as like social distancing but like now that everything like has had to uh, shift to remote access and and everybody is working from home. It's definitely hamstrung the entire effort to uh, actually you know get the full count. So 
that's definitely going to translate into um, under-resourced communities and under-resourced, um, you know, demographics of people. And I mean, it, it's interesting because you hear people and like their responses to the census. Because you know, I've been out. Um, I, I was at the the Women's Day March in Riverside this this past year, and and um, and some people had kind of admitted basically that they had never participated in the census, and some of them were you know up in sixty or seventy years of age. So I mean, that's six or seven cent uh, you know censuses that had passed where they weren't counted but to think of a, a, a disaster like covid affecting it it really is kind of a, like a stark reality craziest thing you've heard this week well i mean aside from the president telling people to uh shoot up lysol um there's two doctors in bakersfield basically telling their not not just their community but the the country and the whole world to that you know like just, you know don't even worry about these stay at home orders it's chill you know like they're basically they're basically echoing the same language of the liberate folks that are saying you know um they're protesting against a virus which you know on its face doesn't make sense and then when you examine it further it doesn't it it really doesn't make any sense yeah because 
we know, I think, especially, I guess this this kind of highlights the difference in kind of like community relations because these two doctors who you're speaking about from Kern County and Bakersfield specifically, they own five urgent cares. And so they're tied into what the money flow is. And when they're doing that much testing, they're receiving aid. But at the same time, I think they're just over it. They're over having to provide that much, having to pay employees that much. And I know I still have a grandmother with very weak lungs who I haven't seen in about a month because I could just have it on me, Hmm. you know? I just go outside. I heard a doctor, or not a doctor recently, but a medical professional, Sam, say, you could go, he's from right here uh, in San Bernardino. He said, it's about the spread, just like Cuomo said as well. You go to the store, you go to Walmart to get some tissue, and you might bring it back home. Yeah. Yeah, you really might. And I think it's it's interesting that like the dudes are urgent care doctors versus uh like say an ER doctor because they they even tried to, you know, use and like in I guess like their proximity to an ER doctor to basically kind of like say that oh yeah, e- ER doctors they agree with us as well. They think they think that this stay-at-home order is foolish, and it's meant to control you. And it's like, really? That's that's really what ER doctors are saying? Because I just saw, you know, and I think in Black Hawk County, Iowa, um, the, the, I think the public health director was was tearing up, was they couldn't get through um, her her statement because so many people are are being infected i think it was like like over the course of a week it went from like one to like 680 different cases with like i think like somewhere around between 14 and 20 deaths so i mean it's it's crazy because it's so reckless and irresponsible for two medical professionals to to not just go on the record but go on tv and basically tell people to disregard this this order that ultimately is meant to just keep you safe and and i mean like besides that people are freaking out over staying in their houses meanwhile we have people you know that have been in segregating segregated housing in prisons and they haven't seen people for months sometimes years at a time so, I mean, I think people ought to relax and just, you know, enjoy their time to reacquaint themselves with the toxic environment that we're living in. Because people are going out and they're walking, you know, like on the, the, the Rancho bike trail and they're like, they're, I'm hearing them say, well, it seems like we should have been wearing masks you know, like years ago because of the air. So that's, it's just, it's absurd what these doctors are saying. It's definitely the craziest stuff that I heard this week for sure. It's always going to be about the person next to you. It doesn't matter what you're not susceptible to. That's what this whole thing is about. It's taught us to care for people that aren't typically cared for. I know in communities like San Bernardino, Riverside, and overall the Inland Empire, how many undocumented people are terrified of all the things we talked about in the show? Being able to speak up, speak up at the workplace. Being counted for the census when you have a president who is supporting 
a citizenship question instead of just counting people. And now you have this, which highlights the reality that it seems like you're not really concerning yourself with what's real on the ground is that people may very well be infected by this, maybe dying, but aren't being able to access or aren't going out of fear to see, I would guess in Bakersfield for sure, to go see a doctor because they'll tell them you're fine. Just go home. That's what it sounds like to me. And that's that's the craziest stuff I think I've heard this week. Yeah, yeah. People are definitely having a hard time at home and hearing stories like this doesn't make it any better at all. Um, so I think, I mean, that, that definitely like underscores an importance for uh, occupying your time, not just responsibly, but doing things in a way that, you know, kind of uh, helps elevate, you know, your, 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 I guess your intuition or like things that are intuitive. So, I mean, you have a little bit of experience with that, right? Yeah. I know that people want to, want to graft to the idea that it's being overhyped because everyone wants to go outside. And I'm going to tell you this as some parting words. It's almost over. We're all doing this together. Enjoy what you can in the solitude of your home and with that time that you don't get to spend by yourself. That's why people, I think, are gravitating to it so heavily because everybody wants to go outside. But it's not going to be over until it's totally flat. We have the control over this. We control it on a community level. Don't have to worry about it on the state level or the national level or a global level. But we have to do our part. So speaking of intuition, during quarantine, a lot of people have a lot of free time, especially on the weekends now. And so that brings me to a local artist from San Bernardino, Ana Cervantes, who has been taking to Instagram Live and other social media to, I don't know how you would put it, Ana. Do you want to explain what you're doing on the weekends? Yes. So Saturday mornings, uh, the concept of the intuitive art session is to allot time to ourselves, to honor ourselves and our emotions and get in touch with an avenue that might be able to provide some relief for us. So this is not for artists or folks that identify as creatives. It is for everybody because we all have this inside of us, this intuitive need to express and therefore create. Um, so, you know, music, folks that are sharing their music, DJs sharing their sets, um, museums going, um, taking their galleries digital, um, just a whole host of poets sharing their art, um, sharing their art and so that folks can find a source of connection still you know, can find community still through arts. And my hope is that the intuitive art session will provide a tool for folks to express and also to find relief and get creative and really get out of their heads and into their body, which seems counterintuitive, right, in order to create. But that's really my process. That has been my experience and it has been super healing for me. And I just thought that I would share. So this is 10 o'clock a.m. every Saturday, Pacific Standard Time, 10 a.m. on Saturdays. Take us through briefly what what actually happens during this session. It's a 30-minute session from what I understand. What happens? 
Yes. Yeah, so typically 30 to 45 minutes, we, the flow or I guess structure, but it's the flow. We begin first by tapping into our body with movement. So it can be any type of movement you feel comfortable, but really shutting off our brain, whatever thoughts we have going and the constant, um, a voice that's in our in our mind, especially if we're feeling really stressed out or whatever tense emotions we have, you know, allowing our body to be the messenger to us. So the movement can look like just twisting our wrists, tapping our feet. I do play music, so I encourage folks to play their own music if they want to listen to their own music, but it could even turn into dancing, right? It could turn into light stretching and really just tapping into places in our body that we don't really listen to, you know? So after that, we'll settle back into our space and I encourage folks to have their creative space that really inspires them where they feel comfortable, you know, and maybe have a a little tea or water with them because it's early, some fruits, a little breakfast, you know, really just honoring yourself and this time, being very intentional with it. After our movement, we move into the intention portion. So tapping back into our breath, settling in, and thinking about what we want to manifest, what has been on our mind, a positive thing. And this is not to be fake positive or to force positivity, but to use our ability to manifest, right, to create a manifest into something that is conducive for us, that we might need, that we see for ourselves, for our family and friends, for our community or the world at large. It can be something as simple as one word or it could be a paragraph, whatever you want. And uh, the materials that we use is anything that you have accessible. It can be um, uh, in an art, a sketchbook, an art book, or it can be any materials that you have at home. I've been using the back of cereal boxes and pens and pencils. So whatever you might have, you inscribe your intuition, your um, your message into your canvas very lightly, or it can be part of your um, piece in general. Then we begin layering and we begin using whatever material you want to start with first to inscribe onto your canvas. So make your marks and getting really um, in touch with your marks, but also getting out of your head and not judging the marks that you're making. And then beginning layer by layer to embellish your art and whatever thoughts come into your mind while you're creating, honoring them and acknowledging them as very important. At the final close, we close our session with Uh, journaling. I encourage folks to just write a few thoughts down um, and hopefully that provides some creative release for people and that's the flow. Well thank you and we look forward to joining you every Saturday at 10 a.m. Can you give some closing words to the people out there who who you would like to participate because I know it's everyone um, that aren't necessarily considering themselves artists. What are your words to them during quarantine right now? My hope and my prayer is that this time uh, is one that you can get in touch with yourself in and all layers of ourselves and uh, to discover your innate creativity, which is a signature message. It's completely your own. It looks like nobody else's. And the only way that you will become comfortable with it and discover it is if you give yourself intentional time to do so. And I hope that your time with me, even though it's a brief 30 to 45 minutes, that it it sparks that for you and that it's something that you run with and it feeds your soul. All right. Thank you. This has been an interview with 
Ana Cervantes, her social media handle where you can join these sessions every Saturday at 10 a.m. is Arte de Cervantes. That's spelled A-R-T-E-D-E-C-E-R-V-A-N-T-E-S. Thank you, Ana, for your time. Thank you. This program is brought to you by the Center for Community Action and Environmental Justice. The opinions expressed in this publication are those of the host. They do not purport to reflect the opinions of CCAJ or its members. The folks at CCAJ understand how difficult sourcing essential goods can be during the coronavirus pandemic. To assist the immediate local and immigrant communities, they've set up a relief fund to provide essential goods to families in the region. Head to www.ccaj.org slash COVID-19-fund for more information. Thank you for listening. This has been Let's Clear the Air. My name is Andres. I have been hosting alongside Ben Reynoso. Let's Clear the Air is a weekly segment that will be available every Friday at 5 p.m. on Spotify.